the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Greetings. Welcome. Thank you for joining us, the Seth Leapson Show. My name is Mayor Jolovitz. Today I'll be filling in for Seth Leapson and quite pleased that you've joined us to talk about things that matter. Mine is a lone voice. Today is often in search of a pair of ears. I will attempt to do justice to a theme that underscores much of what Seth has done for many years. It's about truth-telling, a basic moral uh, imperative that posits that the truth matters. Seth Leapson reports the news by analyzing it. Seth talks about principles, about those issues which are important because they ought to offer a lesson about purpose and meaning. This is conservative politics. In the end, it is, after all, or ought to be, about freedom and justice and about the dignity of man. Others have spoken about those wonderful virtues of man's character, honor, compassion, respect, and yes, of course, kindness and generosity and empathy. And one should, of course, rightly add integrity to that list of virtues. And yet, there's none more important than courage. It's through courage that man can ultimately choose the hill that he's willing to die on. Seth Leibson has, has made that case quite artfully. My name is Mayor Jolovitz, filling in for these three hours for Seth Leibson. I must say this, on the drive to the studio about an hour ago, and this is true, I saw an 18 or 20-year-old girl standing alone on the side of the road wearing a mask and holding a bottle of water. The closest person to her was a zip code away. And yet, she lifted her mask, just enough clearance, perhaps an inch or two, and took a sip of water, returning the mask back in place until she was ready for that second sip, once again lifting that mask an inch or two, and she did that again a third time. There's something wrong. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the sheep mentality, and it's been taken one step too far. It's the suspension of common sense. Today, we talk about the suspension of common sense and wonder when we might wake up. These days, I also co-host a radio show on the politics of the Middle East on this same Patriot Radio, in fact, sitting in exactly the same studio. The show is featured every Sunday it's called Middle East Radio Forum. Middle East Radio Forum was established 19 years ago by attorney William Wolf, and it's with William Wolf that I co-host that broadcast, usually on alternate weekends. Those interested in the politics of the Middle East in great detail and expecting a serious analysis and a commentary that one would be hard-pressed to find elsewhere, you can find us here on Sundays at 12 noon or via the Internet. On that broadcast, I offer a signature opening that we recognize and readily identify the struggle between competing civilizations, ideologies, and cultures, between Western values and those dedicated to upending them. 
We will address that very subject during the second hour today. Now, in examining human nature and the politics of man, we need to muster and harness the courage to speak the truth. Personally, I don't use social media except Instagram, where I do find the time to post a number, a series, I guess one would say, of politically incorrect posts. These often iconoclastic jabs as politics has also become a signature. The tagline from my Instagram, and it is not original, is the only people mad at you for speaking the truth are those living a lie. Now, this past November, I first guest hosted for Seth. I offered a quote then from someone that I shall quote again today, but with a different quotation. You might recall the name Andrei Sakharov. Andrei Sakharov was a Russian nuclear physicist, a dissident, a Nobel laureate, and an activist for disarmament, for peace and human rights. He was often identified as the father of the Soviet hydrogen bomb. Sakharov later became an advocate for civil liberties and civil reforms in the Soviet Union, for which he later faced state persecution. Those efforts earned him, in 1975, the Nobel Peace Prize. Today he's largely forgotten, remembered only by those who refuse to forget. Sakharov is a man who spoke with courage. Let me offer here one such observation about freedom. Intellectual freedom, Sakharov stated, is essential. Freedom to obtain and distribute information, freedom for open-minded and unfearing debate, and freedom from pressure by officialdom and prejudices. Such freedom of thought is the only guarantee against the infection of people by mass myths which, in the hands of treacherous hypocrites and demagogues, can be transformed into bloody dictatorships. Andrei Sakharov, a giant. I'm certain that regular listeners of Seth Liebchen show understand the point made by Sakharov in the quote that I just cited. Not ironically, those who've been denied those freedoms probably understand it even better. If you follow politics, you know this. We live in a world of pessimists and optimists. This commentator prefers to swim in the waters of realism, however deep, however cold, and however much they might be shark-infested. The self-anointed and the self-proclaimed progressives employing the bogus semantic progress. They are anything but a force that pursues or ensures progress. It is by design a marketing tool to advance an agenda. Like your morning orange juice or your laundry detergent, new and improved. Today we'll address several topics of discussion about the fraudulent misuse of the nomenclature describing progressivism. Today we shall touch upon several topics. Each might seem a little different, one from the other, but in the endeavor to bring them all together, we will somehow connect the dots that our ideological opponents seek to disconnect. There's one thing that cannot be overstated. There exists a need to deconstruct the myths, and we do so by simplifying the complex. Today in this broadcast, we shall examine the perverse nature of the ideological opponents of Western civilization and culture, including those who live in the West, those who exploit the very freedoms offered to them. Without engaging in some serious critical thinking, we will lose the war of ideas. 
After all, we live in a world where conservative politics are misrepresented and misunderstood. We live in a world where the lessons of history are lessons not learned. We live in a world that is disconnected from reality. It is a world where illusion leads to delusion. We live in a world where the woke left is playing us for fools and we seem to be cooperating. While the other side weaponizes language, we seek to compromise instead of an unapologetic assault on that language. There is no place for equivocation, certainly not at a time when common sense is on life support. And we ask the question, how can so many be on the wrong side of right? During our second hour, we will have the opportunity to talk to Robert Spencer. In some circles, Robert Spencer is seen, of course, as controversial, as so many others are, who speak the truth. Yes, of course, it seems the perfect opportunity to throw in that comment, often attributed to George Orwell, when he said, and you've heard this before, at a time of universal deceit, speaking the truth is a universal act. Excuse me, is a revolutionary act. My name is Mayor Jolovitz, filling in, as I said, for Seth Liebson. I've spent my entire adult life involved in pro-Israel advocacy, having lectured extensively in Middle East affairs. Professionally, my resume weighed heavy on public policy with a focus on foreign affairs, including more specifically on matters of Israel. Among my positions and affiliations, I worked with special projects for a Jerusalem-based think tank, the Institute for Advanced Strategic and Political Studies, and, as well, I served as the National Executive Director of the ZOA, the Zionist Organization of America, which is the oldest pro-Israel Zionist organization in America. Today, I continue to be involved in pro-Israel advocacy, lecturing on various geopolitical and geostrategic affairs. It's the centerpiece of what I do. Issues which affect Israel and the United States, the bonds that connect us. Today, for three hours, I have a privilege to sit in for Seth Leibson. When we come back, a little more about speaking the truth, about principles, and introducing obliquely the guest that we will have, a very special guest, at the top of the next hour. We have a commercial break. We'll be right back. Hi, welcome back. Mayor Jolovitz sitting in for Seth Leibson. We have a spoiler alert. Politicians lie. There exists a condition that seems almost endemic to politics everywhere. People, constituents of all political persuasions, have fallen victim to the politicians who tell them what they want to hear. It seems the only talent these politicians possess is the ability to exploit the gullibility of man. And they do. In response, people everywhere have been readily accepting incompetence and continue to believe the lies. Politicians lie. It's in their DNA. And when political opponents lie about each other, you can rest assured that it might be the only time that both can be believed. When caught in a lie, they lie again to extricate themselves from the embarrassment or to further perpetuate the hoax. Too often, they get away with it because they command a gullible constituency which, went, which wants to be lied to, which needs to be lied to, particularly in the Western world. Tyrannies, of course, we've been trained to accept, always lie because they aren't accountable. 
But let's not pretend. Democracies seem not to be accountable as well. Just watch five minutes of any press briefing with Jen Psaki. Democracies hire press secretaries to lie on their behalf or to explain what the politicians meant to say when they said something completely different to that gullible audience. I often talk about the importance of language. I do a weekly lecture here in Arizona, and there's a theme, a thread that runs through much of what I say, which is about the importance of language. Language defines the narrative. It influences the direction of the debate. Often, particularly in politics, language is deliberately employed as a tool to drive the agenda. But it is often a victim of a very innocent misuse by well-intentioned speakers or commentators. And I'd like to give you two examples. Yesterday morning, I had the TV on in the background. It was Fox News. During the 15-minute span that I watched, there were two examples of the misuse of language, both times actually quite innocently. In the first, Tammy Bruce, who's an incredibly bright voice of conservative thought, was commenting about the deliberate distortions that are part of the Democratic Party's leadership on the COVID masking issue. In criticizing the position of the Biden administration, Tammy Bruce said that the Democrats were offering information, quote, that was, well, not exactly true. Now, that's wrong. What we, what we needed to hear, what needed to be said was not that this isn't exactly true. What we needed to hear was that this is a lie. It's a bold face lie. Now, there was a second example. A Republican senator interviewed just a few minutes later, speaking about another matter, said, quote, that the Democrats have no idea what they're doing. Oh, once again, wrong. They know exactly what they're doing. They might be often stupid, but they do have an agenda. They know what they're doing. And the frequent failure on the part of many conservatives, certainly the Republicans, is that they refuse to sharpen their teeth and challenge this misuse of language. So who really is the stupid one? I will tell you this. In what's left of the three hours that we have today, we will not be equivocal in our discussion. That age-old maxim that a liar is not believed when he tells the truth is really no longer relevant. As evidenced by every proclamation that they make, the Democrats have gone to great lengths to try and convince us that a liar is telling the truth even when he lies. We're spoon-fed policies formulated by politicians who we know aren't smart, but we surrender to their wisdom nonetheless. They must be smarter than us. Consider this. The Census Bureau estimates that the population of the United States, when it was founded in 1776, was about two and a half million people. Now, that population grew to a mere three and a half million people less than a dozen years later in 1787 when the U.S. Constitution was adopted. Three and a half million people. Now consider this. With a current U.S. population of 332 million, 130 times as large as it was at the time of the nation's birth, in November 2020, we ostensibly elected a 47-year-old political veteran who has the intellectual horsepower 
of a garden vegetable. America's founding fathers, those brilliant men, Washington, Adams, Jefferson, Madison, yeah, you know them all, Hamilton, Monroe, and Franklin, intellectual and political giants, they were the product of a nation that was less than 1% of the population of America today. And look what we have. Look at Congress, both the House and the Senate, dysfunctional, with rare exception, we're governed by a ship of fools, and we surrender our freedom to the dictates of those charlatans. Something is definitely wrong, something P.T. Barnum would easily be able to explain. If we are to be intellectually honest, we must at least admit this painful truth. The American audience is gullible. Politicians address an American audience that allows itself to be fooled. Now, earlier I quoted former Soviet dissident Andrei Sakharov. I have another. This time a quote attributed, yes again, to a former Russian. A Russian novelist, historian, and political prisoner, you know the name, Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Solzhenitsyn said, among many other wise things, we know they are lying. They know they are lying. They know we know they know they're lying. We know that they know, we know that they are lying. And he ends by saying, and they're still lying. With an ongoing onslaught in the truth in all areas of political discourse, we're reminded of that quote from Peter Lawrence, famous for the Peter Principle. Sometimes I wonder whether the world is being run by smart people who are putting us on or by imbeciles who really mean it. I'll probably mention Peter Lawrence, uh, Lawrence Peter again. I understand that this is a three-hour show, and there's some people who've not yet turned on the radio, but it's important they understand. Most importantly, there's one lesson which we learned from the brilliance of Barack Obama. We've confronted, when confronted by a crisis, and Obama had certainly more than his share, the strategy, the strategy was simply this, just wait it out. According to most political observers, Barack Obama had no less than 15 scandals. Some would put that number close to 25. Real political scandals. And yet he survived. Barack Obama survived his scandals because he played the clock. He allowed time to run out. He understood that today's front page news would be tomorrow's page two news. And tomorrow's page two news would be next week's page seven, section B. Barack Obama understood that. In fact, if, if there's one lesson that the Biden team has learned, witness Afghanistan and the debacle of that withdrawal, is just wait and sit it out. Obama understood that. Just wait, it'll go away. We will go away for a commercial break, and we'll be back in a couple of minutes. Hi, welcome back. Mayor Jolovitz sitting in for Seth Leapson. Now, I'm not getting paid to do this gig. So, ouch. I need financial advice. I need to be mentored. And in keeping with the theme that we've tried to establish today about common sense, we've got the right guy. It's John Dombrowski. He's with us today. Now, John is part of the 960 Patriot family. So, let's talk shop. Uh, John? Are you yes, with sir. us? How are you today? A pleasure to speak to you. I've uh, long been a fan of yours, and it's a pleasure. Um, Thank you. 
uh, 25 years, professionals, you are Grand Canyon Planning Associates. For 25 years, you've been doing comprehensive retirement, tax, estate planning services, all kinds of things for all kinds of families in Arizona. I've got a couple of questions in the minutes that we have. John, we are in an economy that sends mixed messages. The stock market, of course, soars for years now. All signals seem to be positive. And where optimism showed its face, all of a sudden we have a Biden administration with the stock market still strong, but inflation all of a sudden threatens to offset that optimism. What's the short-term forecast, John? And what's the longer view of things to come? Great, great question. Uh, you know, it's interesting because we, we're seeing uh, right now a lot of corporations are reporting their fourth quarter earnings for 2021. Uh, we're seeing a very, uh, I would say about a 70, 75% of the companies are beating on their top and bottom lines, which is good. We're still seeing some positive uh, reporting. But we are seeing companies starting to report their, uh, you know, their estimates, right? They're looking forward and they're saying, well, our estimates that we maybe would have given you a quarter ago, we're going to uh, reduce maybe what we expect. So we're starting to see a little bit of uh, of companies trying to cover cover mm-hmm. themselves on what they see coming because of obviously the inflationary pressures that we're seeing. But what is interesting about uh, corporate America is, is they are very innovative and we find ways, you know, corporations find ways to cut expenses, to uh, increase profits in, in any way they possibly can for their shareholders. Mm-hmm. And I'll just give you an example, too, at this point. You know, we know that with the shutdowns that we were faced with over the last couple of years, the economy still is not fully open. Uh, once it does, that potentially could create an additional, uh, you know, amount of demand that may, you know, keep inflation here longer than we would have hoped. But uh, Disney reported today after earnings, and it's interesting. Their revenue, fourth quarter revenue, was $7.2 billion wow. during the fourth quarter, which is double what it was in 2020 in, in the fourth quarter, $3.6 billion. So there are some positive pieces of news out there for corporations. But you're right. Inflation is certainly going to put pressure mm-hmm. on the market, and we've seen that uh, just recently here in the month of January, which is one of the worst months we've seen in uh, over well over a decade, and, of course, inflationary numbers uh, that we haven't seen for the last 30 years. So let me just ask you this question. Obviously, we've heard a lot about employment, unemployment. If logic was to apply, one would think that following a terrible uh, pandemic, when so many businesses were forced to close because of COVID, and the correlative number of jobs that were lost, one would assume that when we came out of COVID, given the fact that there were less businesses, that there would be a surplus of workers and too few jobs. But that hasn't happened. We have businesses and shops begging to hire workers. Can you explain this inversion of logic in a couple of minutes? Uh, boy, I would love to be able to figure out how to explain that. <laughs> uh, that's a tough one, right? Because you're absolutely right. We have, you know, I forget the exact number, maybe 10, 11 million people on unemployment, but we've got 14 million uh, jobs available out there in this country. So we've got millions of jobs above what the unemployment rolls are mm-hmm. showing us. Why can't we get workers yeah. back to work? What is going on out there? Well, of course, you've heard that great resignation is one uh, explanation that the number of people who maybe were on the fence about retiring once the pandemic hit and they were forced to maybe take some time off of work, they decided, I'm not coming back, right. and they did right. retire. But again, too, what we are seeing is a lot of people are moving positions right now because they might have been in a job that uh, they were happy with, 
but oftentimes there is some stagnation in uh, income uh, John, for individuals. I'm sorry, I'm looking at the clock. In the minute we have left, yep. now you've established a wonderful reputation in the finance world. Uh, people uh, need someone smarter than they to uh, guide them when making money and saving money. Tell us what it is that you do and how we can contact you. Yeah, so one of our areas of expertise are uh, helping people uh, put together a plan that they can uh, utilize to help them attain their goals, financial goals, whether that's to gain wealth, whether that's to uh, grow their assets, or ultimately figure out a way to draw down their assets as they get closer and closer to retirement and secure their retirement. That would be something that we would be able to help clients with, and I encourage everyone out there, if they have questions, they could reach out to us by our website of grandcanyonplanning.com. Or shoot me an email to dearjohn at grandcanyonplanning.com. Schedule a complimentary retirement assessment. Excellent. Well, dear John, thank you so much for the time you spent with us. And until next time, thank you, John. You bet. Securities and advisory services offered to Client One Securities LLC, a member of FINRA and Tipic, and an investment advisor. Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Thank you so much. The great Neil Diamond. Hi, Mayor Jolovitz sitting in for Seth Leibson. Welcome back. A number of things. In the aftermath of the United States foreign policy disaster in Afghanistan, Kabul, whatever the opinion is about the United States needing to be in or needing to get out, one thing is undeniable. The manner with which we left was a disaster. In late August of 2021, uh, we remember, of course, the 26th of August, the tragic deaths of 13 U.S. troops. And questions that were asked then have yet to be answered. Replete with that myriad of rationalizations and alibis. Alibis, by the way, is a euphemism, once again, for lies. One truth that was exposed as underscoring American incompetence was that the American power brokers, their foreign policy specialists, knew very little about the Muslim world. We'll be talking about that with the next hour. Now, since that debacle, Team Biden is desperate for a foreign policy achievement. The Palestinian Arabs remain outwardly intransigent, and yet the United States is trying desperately to bring them back into the game. So despite the suggestions to the contrary, a more conciliatory U.S. is now making an offer also to the Islamic Republic of Iran. Perhaps they'll serve Israel in a silver platter, as they tried to in 2015. And yet, that's the biggest deal of all. Now, with the, noble, the notable exception of the Trump years, the United States has for years pressed Israel to accept the fact that the Americans would never allow Iran to acquire a nuclear military capability. They guaranteed that because the United States, Israel was constantly reassured, was monitoring the situation with the best intelligence possible. Sure, sure. The same intelligence that they had assured us that Kabul would not fall, certainly not for a long time. The obvious question, were they abysmally incompetent or were they simply lying to us? You know, politicians and intelligence agencies are known to do that. Maybe, just maybe, we're being led by incompetent fools who do lie. To punctuate our point, we reached out back to the 19th century. I did this in the, with a lecture a month or so ago. I reached back to a 19th century episode of American history. Two quotes attributed to General George 
Armstrong Custer, famous for Custer's last stand. Graduated last in his class at West Point in 1861, we know him because he fought and died in the Battle of Little Bighorn in 1876. We remember him as well because he was depicted quite heroically by Errol Flynn in that 1941 movie, They Died With Their Boots On. The first quote attributed to Custer was this, There are not enough Indians in the world to defeat the 7th Cavalry. That was obviously a lie. But it was the second, more humorous quote that made the rounds. When surrounded completely by the Indians, Custer barked out, Good news, men. Whatever direction we shoot, we're bound to hit someone. And he died. The moral of the story, quite often, too often, we are being led by incompetent fools. And they sometimes also lie. To help us understand our nation and its foreign policy experts, or the so-called experts, I do many lectures on the so-called experts who know nothing about, for example, the Middle East, my field of specialty. They pretend to know everything, and they know nothing. It's the mindset, the religion, the ideology, the culture, the way they exploit their incompetence by convincing you that they know a little more than you do. Let's talk about some of these American foreign policy team players and bring up just a few names. We'll skip Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Okay? They've been dismissed. On the matter of foreign affairs, a subject that requires some knowledge about the rest of the world, we have this. National, Sec- National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan. Incompetent. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken. Anthony Blinken who tweets about his musical exploits. He's an amateur electric guitarist, whatever plays, I still think, in his mother's basement. And he puts out his favorite songs. Instead of solving the problems of the world, this is our Secretary of State. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, Chairman of the Joint Joint Chiefs of Staff Mark Milley, and the various other spokesmen chosen to speak the spin of the tragic foreign policy blunder of Afghanistan. Everyone, an absolute buffoon. What do we do? Well, the least we can expect is for them to be engaged in critical thinking, something that they don't. And once again, we'll define critical thinking and ask if it's too much to expect. Critical thinking is the objective analysis of facts or an intelligent evaluation of an issue to form a reasonable or rational judgment. Why is that so difficult? And the answer is, is because they're simply not capable. The Americans don't understand what many other people do. It's this notion of risk and reward. It comes down to what you think it's worth. There's a story that's told of an experiment that was done many years before about the value that you place on things, the risk that you're willing to take. It was an experiment to some degree about human condition, about man's measure of risk and reward. The social scientists gathered a group of 20 people. This is true. 20 people, the social scientists placed a 2 by 4 20-foot-long board on the ground in front of them. They offered $10 to anyone who was willing to walk on the 2 by 4 plank end-to-end without falling off. All 20 agreed. Then those conducting the experiment decided to raise that 2 by 4 and placed it on a couple of cinder blocks, raising it to 18 inches above the ground 
and raised the offer to $50. And yet again, all agreed to try it. Then, that same plank was elevated to 10 feet above the ground and raised the offer to $100. Fewer than half agreed to try it. And finally, that same board was raised to 100 feet and the offer was raised to $10,000. No one elected to try it. So he raised the reward, $100,000. No one risked the walk. Conclusion, it seems that in measuring the risk and reward, our social scientists realized that there were indeed limits until he changed the reward again. This time he informed them that a loved one, their child, was at the other end of the 20-foot-long board, 100 feet up, and they had one minute to save that child's life from a fire that raged right behind Everyone thought the risk was worth the reward. Because in life, there are things that are worth the risk of your own life. Principled people understand that. Those not principles, well, they simply lie to us. Something worth, worth remembering. Commercial break. We'll be right back. Hi, welcome back. Mayor Jolivet's last uh, segment of this hour. Next hour, we're going to be joined by Robert Spencer, director of Jihad Watch. Um, A wonderful, wonderful guest to have. Now, we've all heard the good news from New York about masks and the new norm. School children, sadly, must still wear the masks, but you can actually go swimming or take a shower without your mask. That's the new directive from New York. The real good news from New York is, and I just got this a few minutes ago, it hasn't even hit the wires yet in Arizona, is that my granddaughter just got her driver's license. She passed the road test. So, yes, let's celebrate. Okay. Um, I want to say something. There is this thing called the great man theory. It's a 19th century idea according to which history can be largely explained by the impact of great men or heroes, highly influential individuals who due to either their personal charisma, intelligence, wisdom, political skill, whatever, they utilize their power in a way that has a decisive impact on history. That theory was popularized first in 1840 by Scottish writer Thomas Carlyle. But in 1860, 20 years later, Herbert Spencer formulated a counter-argument that has remained influential throughout the 20th century to the present. Spencer said that much of the great men that we have in history were basically products of their societies and that their actions would be impossible without the social conditions built before their own lifetime. Herbert Spencer believed that attributing historical events to the decisions of individuals was a hopelessly primitive, childish, and unscientific position. So we have a debate between Carlyle and Spencer. Does, history, does man make history, or is it history that makes the man? Spencer, mind you, believed that Carlyle called this group of people, the great men, no, 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 it was wrong. It was just a simple product of their environment. So the question we have to ask is this. Look at what we have. I gave you some names earlier. Let's throw in Joe Biden. Let's throw in Kamala Harris, Justin Trudeau. And when one sits back and looks at today's age and has the argument, the great man theory, okay, is it Justin Trudeau who made Canada great? Well, 
the first thing we've got to do is change the very nomenclature of the great man theory. What is the antithesis of the great man theory? The lesser man theory or something of the sort? What is it in, indeed? Is it that Joe Biden makes, by, his, by virtue of his lack of talent, America poorer? Or is it America, given its malaise, that makes Joe Biden stand as a hero of a lesser America? These are issues that need to be addressed, and we will, but not in the next hour, because in the next hour, I bring you Robert Spencer, one of the wise, wise voices out there about matters that we sometimes seem to forget. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.